Have you ever read Scripture and thought there's a disconnect between the God of the Old Testament and the Jesus that we read about in the New Testament? Have you ever read the, the early parts of the Bible or heard a story and thought, how can that God who seems to be passing judgment and has all these rules, how can that be the same God as this loving generous, kind, merciful Jesus that we see in the New Testament. Today we start a brand new series going through the book of Acts. And we're going to explore what it is to dive deep into this book to see how the God of the Old Testament is actually lived out through the early church and through what Jesus did for us to see what the Holy Spirit means and see how the the church that we are a part of started off. We're actually going to take a a really deep look into the book of Acts over the next couple of months. And so if you have questions about the Old Testament, if you have questions about the God of the Old Testament, or maybe you have questions about what church is and what church is meant to be, then I'm really excited because this is what God's Word has to say about all of that plus so much more. So I want to invite you on a journey as we start a series in the book of Acts today. But let's begin in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, as we open up your word today and look at a bit of an overview of the book of Acts in preparation for what the next couple of months looks like, I pray that you would prepare our hearts both as individuals but also as your church, as the body of Christ, as we dive into scripture and see what Acts has for us. God, I pray that we would have hearts to receive, ears to hear, eyes to see, and that we wouldn't just hear this, but we would obey Jesus and put these words into action in the way that we live. God, prepare us to receive today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today is very much a little way of overviewing Acts, but in doing that, I want to explain a few words explain a few concepts and essentially set up the groundwork for next week when we start with Acts chapter 1. So today we're going to be looking at some content, some major themes, but also just a little bit of um, background information to help us as we dive deeper over the next couple of months. For a start, it's really important to know who wrote the book of Acts because it does actually set a tone and helps us understand what's going on. And so when we look at the book of Acts, we see that Luke is the author. Luke, who also wrote the book of Luke, wrote Luke and Acts as almost a two-part account of Jesus' life and then the early church and how they, they went together. Now, Luke is employed by a Patreon or a patriarch, and the way this worked is, In those days, there was patriarchal systems, or patreons, where there would be somebody of authority and of wealth and influence who would essentially help others or employ others to help them to achieve the goal. So at its absolute worst case scenario, you would get government officials and politicians that would, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, I will pay you and then I'll do what I want, but you've got to back me in what I do. And so we see that in Rome all the time um, throughout history. At its best case scenario, which is illustrated in the book of Acts, there's a Christian guy called Theophilus. 
Now, Theophilus is employing Luke to take a detailed record of Jesus' life in the early church. And so we see both the book of Luke and the book of Acts start with Dear Theophilus. And the idea is that Luke is a doctor. And because of that, he has the, the, the brain capacity and academic ability to record an account that is historically accurate and that can hold up against scrutiny. And so the book of Luke, what we see is lots of dates, lots of names, and lots of locations are used throughout the, the account of Jesus in the gospel of Luke. We see the same style of writing take place in the book of Acts. Why is this important? Well, it's important because when we step out of Scripture and look at a, a historical account of the world, we see that the dates, locations, and people align with Scripture, therefore proving Scripture and those accounts to be true. Now, very early on in the formation of the Bible, as we know it, they took these, these writings of Luke and Acts and separated Acts out so they would put all of the Gospels together. The Gospels, or the word Gospel means good news, and the good news is Jesus. And so the Gospel account, the good news accounts, are the stories in the new part of the Bible, the New Testament, where Jesus lives his life. And so Matthew, Mark, Luke and John are Gospels, followed by the book of Acts straight after. That's the reason that Luke and Acts aren't next to each other. They're separated out by the book of John. We believe that this was written around 60 to 70 AD, AD meaning Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord, so after um, Jesus had been born. So it was written in fairly close proximity to, um, to Jesus' life and account. And as often took place, the Gospels were written as the la later sort of part of the disciples' lives to keep the accord and the account of what had taken place. The difference is that Luke was employed by Theophilus to do it, and so he had a bit more time and was employed to do it, so he did it very accurately. The importance of Acts is, is actually quite vital to the New Testament. See, the Acts has a bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament teaching and laws and prophecies, the prophecies means you know, what is going to come next, or what is going to happen in the future, and many of the Old Testament prophecies were about this person called the Saviour, or the word Messiah was used. And the book of Acts aligns a lot of this with the Messiah being Jesus. And so the Old Testament comes true and is explained and understood, then lived out by the early church in the book of Acts. So it's a bridge between the Old Testament and New Testament. We're going to touch on that in just a moment as well. It's also a historical account. As I said, Luke is an incredible communicator when it comes to accurately understanding Scripture and dating it with times and, and names and locations. But also, it's a celebration. Now, many people call, talk about Acts as being the, the Acts of the Apostles. Often, um, some Bibles even have that as the title of the book of Acts. Others refer to this book as the, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, because in Acts chapter 2, we see that the Holy Spirit comes and enters the, the hearts of the disciples and off they go. But I want to propose that as we read Scripture over the next couple of months, that we actually read this as the Acts of 
God fulfilling his redemptive plan. Now, let me explain that a little bit. See, the, the, the word redemption means this. The act of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. The, the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt would be a more secular way of understanding what redemption means. And in Acts, what we see take place is that the, the broken relationship between God's people and himself is being redempted, being, the debt has been paid, the, the debt has been laid, um, cleared through Jesus, and that the redemption of God, redeeming the relationship that was broken by us through Jesus and restoring us to relationship with God is taking place. And so throughout the book of Acts, we see God's redemptive plan for humanity lived out. In different ways, by different people, in different areas, we see this take place. Now, if we were to summarize the actual way that the book of Acts is pieced together, there's a verse in chapter 1 that actually lays out the whole um, format of the book. And that's going to help us a little bit as we prepare ourselves to study this, this incredible uh, part of Scripture. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we read this. And we read in um, read Jesus' words. And he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. And this is sort of Jesus' last words to, to his people. Now, we've, we've got a, a graphic here from Charles Swindoll that lays out the book of Acts um, based on this passage. And we see here that in chapters 1 to 7... We see that the church is established in Jerusalem under the Apostle Peter. From chapters 8 to 12, we see the church enlarged to Judea and Samaria, also under the Apostle Peter. But there's a transition of the emphasis to evangelizing. Evangelism means spreading the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ to, to his people. And that the evangelism goes from Jewish people, one people group, to Judea and Samaria as a transition. And then in the later part of the book, we see from chapters 13 to 28 that now the church has expanded to the ends of the earth. The Apostle Paul comes into this story and we see Gentile evangelism start to take place. What is a Gentile? Now, a, a Gentile is anybody that's not a Jew. See, up until this point, God had been really focused about one people group because through that people group, he would send the Savior, the Messiah, the Restorer, the Redeemer, who is Jesus. But now he has been, he has paid the price once and for all for everybody. And now the, the good news is opening up to all humankind. And so we see that the Gentiles, chances are, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. I know I'm definitely a Gentile. Um, then this gospel is for us. 
as much as it was the Jews. And we see it start to spread to the ends of the earth as we read in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And so let, let's get a little bit of a, a snippet. If you're into um, movies, if, you ever, if you've been able to go to the, the cinema recently, you'd notice that before a movie is played, you'll find there's quite often trailers that take place before the movie. And I know if you read people, I love just sitting and watching people, not in a creepy way, but just maybe it is creepy. I don't know. But I like watching people. And quite often if I'm sitting in a cinema and sitting up the back, you'll see a, a movie trailer come, on, you know, come up there and then you'll, you'll see the people, people's heads and, and after the trailer you see people's heads all face each other and they give each other a nudge and, oh yeah, we've got to see that one. Or like, nah, we won't bother seeing that one, depending on the movie trailer. And the idea of a, a trailer is to grab you. It's, sort of, it's like hooks. They go, I want to hook you so that you come back and watch this movie. It doesn't have all the content. It just makes you want to watch it. Like if I'm sitting in a cinema and there's like that soft music and it's like, there's one girl and one guy. I'm like, and not me. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't care about that. But if I see a movie trailer where there's a giant explosion, I don't care what it is. I just want to see it. It's going to be awesome. And so trailers are <laughs> meant to hook you in and make you want to come and watch the movie. And likewise, what we're about to do now is, is I want to give you like a trailer, a hook for what we're about to go into when it comes to the new, um, the book of Acts and the links between Old Testament and New Testament. Now, by this, what I want to share with you is, is something that, that when I was researching for this series, um, God revealed to me and I was like, wow, this is once again, God's God word is, has so much, and the more you know, the more you don't know. And the, the links between Old Testament and New Testament are just incredible. And so I want to give you a trailer. I want to give you a hook for something that we're going to go into more detail with in a couple of weeks' time. You see, in the Old Testament, what we see is that God's people, one people and one God. And God said, you will be my people and I will be your God, the Abrahamic covenant. And then they went into the wilderness, and in the book of Exodus, we see that God led them by night by a single pillar of fire. One God, one people. God would lead them, and God was there, and when God would stop with the pillar of fire, they would stop, and he would lead them. And then by day, he would lead them by a, a pillar of cloud. And, and, and where the fire was and where the cloud was, that's where God was, and there was one of them, and there was one people, one nation. And they were to be set apart from everything else. Be, the word holy means to be set apart. And they were a holy people, set apart from others. To live a certain way, to act a certain way, to have certain customs, to, to, to identify that they and God are one. That is the Old Testament. As I said, the, the living out in the book of Acts shows how the Old Testament is lived out through the New Testament and how the change from the Old Testament through Jesus is then accepted and lived out in the New Testament. And so then we see in the New Testament, in chapter 2, verse 2 to 4, we see that, that they are in this room and then there's this sound like the rushing wind and the Holy Spirit comes down and, and flames come down and the flames separate. And it's as if the flames, these tongues of fire, separate and come and rest on each of them. And what we see take place here is that the Old Testament was one single flame and one people. And now we see a group of individuals no longer bound by a one location of a temple, 
of a holy of holies because Jesus has died, the holy of holies, the, the veil has been torn as a symbol that now God, we all have access to God. And what we see in Acts is that access, that flame that was one, is now many flames that lands on the, that, that upon each disciple and each one is filled with the Holy Spirit. No longer does one set-apart person go into the Holy of Holies as a representation of all people because one person went to the cross for us on behalf of all of us and now each of us have the flame inside us that is the Holy Spirit. Now, if you have one flame and one church and one focal point and one direction, not the band, but the biblical one, then, then that's really limiting. But when each of you have the flame inside you, each of you have the Holy Spirit, we can see a spread to go to the ends of the earth. When I heard this, when I was reading this and, and, and studying it, I was just like, wow, there's so much about the flame and the flame and what that means. And we're going to touch on that in a bit more detail in a couple of weeks. The Old Testament makes sense to the disciples in, in the book of Acts. The Old Testament stuff is fulfilled and transformed in the book of Acts. The prophecies are understood by the disciples in and through Jesus and lived out in the book of Acts. But it's also a historical account. And if it's a historical account, we need to understand some of the questions that are plaguing both the, the church as an institution, but also the, the new church, the church of Christ, that we see in the book of Acts. And one of the big questions that, that sits in this tension between the church and the church is, where is God? Where is God? You see, it's, it's a little bit like this. You see, the... the the church before Jesus had God in a location, in the Holy of Holies. He was in a place and they feared him and they were afraid of him and they, they followed the rules because of who he was. He was in a place. But we see the transformation. Oh, you just talked about the tongues of fire. God is now not, not in a place, but God is in a person. He's in us. He's in our hearts. Each and every one of us has direct access to God because of what Jesus did. And we see there's a difference now from, from one place to, to a relationship that we have. And all of the rules change because of this. Now, both, both parties are fighting hard because they deeply want to do the right thing. Now, this wrestle tends to be the tension we see happened through all the rest of the, the letters through the New Testament, the, t the tension to they're trying to do this, but they're taking on some of the religious things or some of the religious people are trying to, to infiltrate and do stuff here. And this is the tension of where is God? And this fear of God and how we should treat God is a very real wrestle that we see played out. For example, this is the fear. See, Leviticus chapter 10, we see, we see two people who should know better go into the temple and do something outside of God's rules. And because they went into this holy place where God was, and they didn't follow the rules, they dropped dead. So these guys 
fear God and want to get it right. Likewise, we see in Acts chapter 5, two, this couple or a part of the new church, they sell a, a, a piece of land and a property and they keep some of the money for themselves, which is fine. God looks at the heart. He just wants to look at the heart. He doesn't want all your money. He doesn't care. He's just looking for the heart. And what happens here is now they keep some of the money for themselves, but then they decide what they're going to do is they will tell the church, though, that they're giving everything. It's a little bit of pride in there, a little bit of ego, a little bit of deceit and deception. And because they haven't treated the church, the people right, they drop dead. And so these guys are fearful. These guys are fearful. Both are fighting for what they believe in. And this is where the tension is between the two. Now, if we, if we change the God is, is in your heart to God is in, in you as a person, how does this look? So we're just changing the, the name a little bit from God being in your heart to God being in the people. Not just the church, but the people. We say the body of Christ, is, you know, the church is the people. We see two characters emerge that are key in the book of Acts. Firstly, we see somebody that is fighting on behalf of the temple, fighting on behalf of the institution that is the church, the Pharisees. Somebody that, that doesn't like the, the modern-day Christ followers, the Christians, and is persecuting, which means actively trying to destroy them and, and knock down their spirit and stop this message that seems to be, for some reason, it's spreading really quickly. Remember, individual faith, God's in your heart, and all of a sudden it's starting to spread and they're trying to put this down. And so what we see is, is, is this guy called Saul who's really against the church. He's actually a master of, of hunting down Christians and locking them up. And he's on behalf of the temple. He's a key figure in the book of Acts. We're going to hear a little bit more about his story as we go over the next couple of months. But we also see this, this ambassador of the church who's a great communicator called Stephen. And Stephen is, is full of the Holy Spirit and he's, he's teaching the good news of Jesus Christ and sharing it everywhere he goes. And Stephen's a smart guy, so he places himself in the temple and starts teaching in the temple about the hope that is found in Christ. The, the leader temple, the institution, didn't like that. And so what they do is create all sorts of false testimony and, and accuse him of doing the wrong things, and he gets locked up. Now Stephen's locked up, and, and he's, he's about to go to trial. And in trial, he's given an opportunity to speak, to speak. And what he does is he gives an incredible, elaborate, beautifully articulated summary of the Old Testament. And all of the amazing things that God has done, from all of the, the main characters that God has chosen and used, all the way through. And, and by this point, he's got everybody on board. Then he gets to this point, and he goes, but you know what the problem is? And they go, what? Maybe not the smartest thing to do, but then he points to them and goes, it's you, because of you. And he starts listing all the problems and all the things that they've done wrong and the mess-ups. And as he's speaking, they are so convicted because they know some of it's so true and they're so angry at him that they choose to kill him with stones. And they pick up stones and they stone him to death. And Stephen's last words are very similar to Jesus' last words. When in the midst of being killed, he cries out, God, don't judge them for what they're doing. Forgive them, 
incredible message. But from this point, something radical happens to the church because the church is still human, we're still people, and what they do is they're fearful because Stephen has been killed, he's been murdered under false sort of accusations originally, and they get fearful, and so what they choose to do is, from Jerusalem, they choose to spread out. And what we see, what man thought was going to be done for evil, God meant for good, and Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says that you'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And through Stephen's death, we see God's plan fulfilled and people spread out. And, and the, the early church heads out. And because of that, we have the church that we have today. I want to say I am so excited and so passionate about the book of Acts. I'm so excited to share with you some of the, the truths that God has for us, both as his disciples, some of us who are called to be apostles, some of us that are, are called to be evangelists, some of us that, that, that just, just long to see the church become what it was meant to become, focused on the single mission that God has for his church and it's different flavors and stages all across the world. I want you to understand that this book is so vital in the New Testament because it's the, the bridge between the Gospels of Jesus Christ and the letters to the early church. If you see this graphic, we've got a picture here of what the, the, the New Testament looks like. And we see after the Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, we have the book of Acts. And the acts of God and his redemption story that, that spreads out across the land. Then we see churches planting Corinth and Ephesus. And we, we see uh, Philippi and so many other churches planted. And then letters that are, aren't just written to the churches, but letters that are written to the other disciples. As the, this, this incredible movement of the, the followers of Jesus Christ, the, the Christian movement starts to spread out across the land. But the beauty of the book of Acts is it doesn't end at the end of the book of Acts when, when we then get to the book of Romans. It, I fully believe that the book of Acts continues because if the book of Acts is God's redemptive story, that the acts of God as he redeems his world and has the ambassadors, the witnesses of his great things go to the ends of the earth, then those acts of God are still continuing to this day. And I wonder if us as a church could take two challenges. First, would you take on the challenge to dive into the book of Acts with me? As next week we dive into Acts chapter 1, and we look at what it is to, 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 to really wrestle with with what this book looks like, what Jesus has done for us, how, how Jesus sets up, his church, to continue throughout the rest of this book and into to what we know as history up until this day. Would you join me on this adventure to dive into Scripture together? But secondly, I want to invite you to be a part of the book of Acts or the Acts of God's redemptive story that continue today. 
You see, if Acts 1.8 says that we are to bear witness to the ends of the earth, I wonder how you are bearing witness to what God has done in your life. Maybe you're searching for God and you're on the journey. I wonder if you can stop and reflect on moments where you think God's been active in your life. Or maybe look at another Christian and ask them, how, how has God helped you? For those of us that, that are followers of Christ, how have you been a witness for God maybe over the past week? What ways have we seen God active in our lives? And how have we shared that? To be a witness is to, to see experience, but also to share that with others. How can you share what God has done in your life? It doesn't have to be a, a radical experience. It doesn't have to be a radical message. It's just your experience of God. I pray that this week, as we get excited in anticipation for the book of Acts, that you will join me on this adventure of looking at a book that tells the history of the early church, a book that links the Old Testament to the New Testament, and also an incredible celebration of God's redemptive story. As we look at this book, I pray that you are excited as I am to go deeper into God's Word. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we start this new series, I pray that you would really empower us to be able to hear what you have for us. Would you help us to hear your word and take it into our lives and live it out? I pray that you would help us to be hungry for Scripture, to, to as the disciples did, understand the Old Testament and what it is to live that out in its new form under Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that you would help your word once again to come alive and give us a passion, a hunger to know you more, to read more about you and to live it out through the Holy Spirit that is in each and every one that calls themselves a follower of Christ. God, we are excited about this journey. May we do it together in your name. Amen.